I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravenelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravenelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Podcast. We're live on Red Army Radio, and if you're listening to us on those podcast apps, welcome back. I'm Johnny, I'm with my two fine co-hosts, Dana and Elliot. And, well, the first game is done now with the 46. Borough lost the first game of the season on Friday night in a 1-0 defeat, obviously courtesy of a Craig Cathcart header in after 11 minutes to give Watford all the three points at Vicarage Road. Um, a game which, personally, guys, in my opinion... I thought it was fairly even, about 50-50 possession. Both teams had 10 shots, 4 on target for Borough, which is unheard of uh, in, if, if you compare it to last year. Uh, but did you, it did feel as though it was a game that lacked creativity, especially for Borough as well. Uh, but then I'm going to start off with you. Um, how would you critique Borough's display on Friday night? Is there a lack of activity a, a cause for concern? I think it, I mean, it, it is. It's not really any different to what we've been accustomed to seeing with Borough. But I must admit, when I was watching the game, I wasn't too disheartened about Borough going forward. I thought there were a few promising passes as a player, particularly yeah. in the first half. It was just that we lacked that final bit in, in the final third. You know, there were a lot of Neely moments, a lot of halfway there but not quite fully there moments, uh, a few wayward passes and, and heavy touches when we really needed that composure. But I thought we played well on the whole. Yeah. You know, the, the, As for the game, um, on a whole, I saw a few groans, uh, moans and groans on social media, people saying, well, that was Watford's third string. But what people have to realise is that Watford's third string is far superior to our first team. I thought João Pedro was the pick of the bunch. Um, I know that Neil Warnock was annoyed that he got mad at the match after the game, who were Don Goodman. But um, I thought, you know, I thought we were pretty good against them, considering that they're a newly relegated side. I thought we could have got something out of the game. Yeah, João Pedro is is, is a wonderful talent. He's oh, going to be he's going to be yeah. some player in in the future. But else, apart from the social distancing at the corner, obviously to concede, um, I thought, like I think Dana mentioned, there, I thought we looked really solid um, at times in the game. Uh, but would you would you say that lack of creativity I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and dig a little bit deeper then and say is it a concern because the four shots there I don't think we really look like scoring in the game at all yeah I think I think it is um, when we, to be fair when we went 1-0 down I thought oh god this is this is going to go from, from bad to worse but we, we really turned it around um, and we were creating so many chances in that first half um, I think what it is it's just that final pass we, we got in a position I'm thinking Okay, then just just pick the right ball now, and it you know it get blocked, or we we pass it behind them, or whatever it is. Um, and I, I just think um, one player, and I think uh, it was you, Johnny, that that picked him. Obviously, Tav um, to be your star of the season. I'm still not kind of sold. In. I don't want to be a, a Dana and um, and have this you know whole. Um, was it pie in the Look oven? Humble crack, pie. but the humble pie—it's <coughs> just about get put in the oven. You know, you're preheating, oh, you're preheating it. It's gas mac two or three. You know, it's it's a, it's a slow burner. <laughs> but what I think is, um, we're definitely just missing that. Ex- I don't. We're not seem to be linked with another type of creative midfielder. We seem to be linked with a striker. I don't know if then it could be someone who could drop into that hole where Tav played. But we definitely need something else there, and it tells that he didn't bring on any subs to change that. Um, he yep. had Marcus Brown on the bench, which we didn't bring on. So the lack of creativity is telling. Um, and I think 
defensive defensively wise I think we were very poor on de- trying to defend set of pieces obviously I mean we conceded from the one of it but the rest of them we looked really shaky um, so I think a, another aerial presence at the back is definitely needed and preferably a left centre half um, yeah. McNair when he was playing in the back three last season was on the right side of defence um, I think he looked very uncomfortable on that side because um, Johnson didn't receive much of the ball when I look back at the stats on the game we were predominantly going down the right hand side and that Obviously, tells if you know McNair feels comfortable on his right foot, he's going to go back the other way. So, um, one or two is- issues, I think we still need to iron out. Hopefully, with the transfer market, that can that can help that. Yeah, and obviously, you're saying uh, transfer activity there and looking to potentially change that number ten role. Dana to p- potentially improve things. I know it might be a quick fix, but would you move the Beckenbauer, Paddy McNair, in, uh, maybe in the midfield and put him in that centre attacking mid role? I know it's a big shift, but he plays there for Northern Ireland. He's played there for Sunderland as well. He's he's got the ability to do it as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't. I feel as though without midfield over the past couple of years, there's been far too many square pegs and round holes. I think we need specialists and you know players that are, are for those positions. You know, the specialists in those roles, which I think is is why it's good that we brought in Sam Morsey because he he adds that much needed bite and, and aggression in midfield. But you know, if we want somebody creative we need someone that you can hang your hat on to have that natural creative instinct which is why I agree with you when you say about Tav because I I don't think he has that um he was really anonymous and you mentioned it in the group chat he was you know Chalaba was babysitting him in the second half um I don't think we can rely on Tav so we need somebody like Lee Tomlin uh Gaston Ramirez somebody of that ilk I'm not saying obviously bring Lee Tomlin or Gaston Ramirez back but there's two players from Boris Pass that I think you can hang your hat on to have that creative instinct I'd say just enough of these players that are there to purely do a job. I think we need to go out and get specialists in those positions. Yeah, I think Tav has the ability. When you when you, he has the legs there and he, he, has, he the has the ability. Energy. He has the energy, yeah. And you, you you do want him to like succeed. You yeah. think pick that right pass and he doesn't he takes, he, he, he takes, seems to do better uh, when he's out of the team and he has to fight his way back in. Weirdly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that inconsistency, yeah. I think. Some, and, some players yeah. tend to perform better when they come off the bench and he could be that type of player. Um, the reason why I picked him to be one of my surprises or one of the players of the season this year was to uh, look to his first game in. There's, there's plenty yeah, of time to, yeah. to to for him to develop and improve. But the reason why I picked him is he is that he can potentially be that bright spark the back end of the the COVID season. He he came in and he looked like a bit of like a revelation. Looked like more of like an outlet. Him and Patrick Roberts are very very good together. And I thought he'd really come to his own this year. Um, but I think credit to Nathaniel Chalabar. I thought Chalabar was brilliant. He showed his experience, but also showed his, his quality. Um, he, when you watch the game back, um, we'll watch Chalabar uh, for the good. If you if you can be bothered to watch one play for 45 to 90 minutes, <laughs> then, then go for it. He's always got that 10 yards of space. He just plays around Tav. And it, the thing is with Tav, he's looking for that spatial awareness. And he's, he's he, all he sees is Nathaniel Chalabar when Chalabar's just, just babysitting him. And... A good player like that last year was probably John O'Mikel. When you watched John O'Mikel last year, he didn't move around much, but his positional play was absolutely superb. Um, and, and you definitely need that from the other side. If you're you playing, do. if you're playing as the cam, you need to find those pockets of space, and you've got much more room to operate in. But it, he didn't seem like, you know, every time he had it, like you said, Nathaniel Chalabar was there. And, and if you're relying on that position in the three-four-one-two, he's he's the linchpin of it all. Um, yeah, it is so. a game of chess when when you're defending. Um, you've got to know your position, but when you're on that attack, you've got to try and take him for a walk a little bit, use some of your energy. And I know there's going to be some parts of the game where you're purposely trying to take him away from the from the game, and you're just making him run for no apparent reason. It's a, it's a little strategy where you just create that little space, and you give Fletcher, Fletcher can come in to play and play a feet, or Brick can come in and obviously try and get the wing backs to push up the field and hopefully try and get on the pitch. And, and, and Brick did do that at times last night. I was yeah. I was really impressed with. Um, his hold-up play for, I mean, we know he, he does have um, a bit of strength for his, you know, his his height and everything doesn't really signal like he, he should really, but he, he really held up the ball quite well at times and um, there was one particular moment where he managed to get a shot off and the commentator said, you know, he shouldn't have been able to get a shot off from, from that position and there was times where he'd bring other people into play. Um, I think that's right, obviously, when you've got two um, up front, you, they've both got to operate in different ways, otherwise if they're both just running forward, then it's kind of like... You know, yeah. I think that's the way. One of them's got to drop in, the other one be on the last shoulder. Yeah, um, when I see it on Sky, um, they were saying, "Oh well, 
it's just masterstroke from one putting Brit as captain. Which obviously we were talking about it the previous couple of weeks, and we've been like, well, yeah, it's actually it'd be a good move for him. But do you think that captaincy improved his performance on on Friday night? Yeah, I think so. Um, he he played well for me, and I, I think um, you know he, he's at the front of the pitch. I know people like to say you know it's good to have a captain maybe in the middle so that can influence things that can shout back and forward type of thing. Um, but I don't, I don't think it matters where the the position is um, on the pitch. It's about the the personality of the of the player, and I think he's become um, through no fault of his own. Just the fact that you know we, we've got a very young squad in general, um, and he's been here what three now, four is it the fourth season, is it possibly um, going like, into yeah. the fourth season? So you know he's probably one of the longest serving members of the squad. Um, he's twenty seven, twenty seven, yeah, um, prime. So you know he's getting in that period where he, he should be able to. To lead a squad, especially you know spearheading it from the front, so yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, we'll, we'll we've finished with Brit there, and I think we've let's go back to probably McNair and and, and Dyke Steele. Um, I want to chat about these guys. Obviously, with McNair, we're saying that we don't really want to put him into a number ten position, but he he does have that cardio to probably do it. Um, but obviously, on Friday night, we've seen him back in centre back, and my favourite uh, Twitter account of Borat again <laughs> um, tweeted us and just said opinions on McNair and Dyke Steele being preferred to Fry at centre half. Um, obviously, McNair's played in that centre centre half position again, but also we've seen Dyke Steele come into more of that central role, which we we spoke about as well. The back end of last year, we said it would really suit him. Um, but obviously, we've seen him in there again. I thought Dyke Steele was excellent, by the way. But um, what's your thoughts, Dana, on, on maybe on Fry going on, on the bench? Obviously, he's a natural centre back as well. I did understand it because he hasn't had a pre season. Um, okay. So he looked rusty against uh, Shrewsbury. There was obviously that lack of match sharpness. But I, I mean, even beyond that, I don't really get it with Dale Fry. It's like I keep hearing that he's young, he's got potential. But we've been saying that for the past five years. What's <laughs> got to give? Um, and I don't want this to be another Tav situation where. I don't I'm... want to be a Jesse Lingard either, <laughs> where you say he's got potential and he's 36, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. It's like, you know, there's no Daniel Ayala or Ben Gibson there to hold his hand. We need to see the emergence of Dale Fry, and I still haven't seen that. But for me, I would keep him on the bench. Um, okay. You know, McNair, I don't know what his best position is, if I'm being honest. I think he probably sees himself in midfield, but he's so versatile to the point where I think, that, you know, you don't know what his best role is. But. Dyke Steele, I think, was was fantastic. Both him and McNair alongside Grant Hall, I think, was was better because I think uh, those two centre halves alongside Grant Hall, who's central of that three, I think they need to be mobile on the ball. Um, and I think you saw that with Dyke Steele bringing it out into midfield, covering for Spence as well, which I think is massively important because uh, Spence was caught out of position a few times. So you've got uh, Dyke Steele there to fill in that vacant space. Um, and I thought for the past two games, he's been fantastic, Dyke Steele. He really has. And we both said that he's, he's you know, I think we said last season he's a centre defensive midfielder. Whether or not that's the case, yeah, I think yeah, he's definitely a central player. Yeah, you, um, you can see he, it. He looks he's, better there. He's got, he's got the ability to, to play the ball out. He's comfortable on the ball. Yeah. Um, you can see that he was a defensive midfielder at Charlton before I moved in that right-back position for like the last six months of their, of their promotion season. So... I'm happy to see him in that position, but also when you're playing that, that central defensive role, I think, which might help McNair out as well, you can see the whole game, and it's you have the ability to try and pick out a pass and watch how the movement of opposition players are, and you can kind of calculate where you can see your forwards going as well to, to spray that pass. Um, if we're going to maybe look for the long ball this year, let's try and put some more passengers together and try and get that, that long cross um, to, to try and switch the picks, I feel like that could well, be really one of our main chances came from that the, the long exactly. ball over to Fletcher, and then yeah. I mean, he, you know, he still had a lot to do from from out wide. But um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of that this season, um, and I, I kind of hear you know a lot of talk about it that we don't have a lot of pace, and in fairness, we don't. But I think it's not as bad as maybe people think about it. If you think if you've got Brit and Fletcher making runs off the shoulders of people from those long balls, and Spence and um, Johnson and Coulson on the other side. I think we're more than capable to try and play that game. Yeah, so. yeah. And I think it comes back to Dan's point as well about having a, a left set, left-footed centre uh, centre back. Yeah. Obviously, it gives it gives the ability to switch the play a little bit quicker, and that's probably why Gibson was always mentioned. Yeah, uh, George Friend. Obviously, he's he's moved to to Birmingham. Now I've got man of the match as well. He was, of, yeah, he um, didn't put a foot wrong to be fair. I, was wrong. I thought Clayton played well for them as well. Um, I think I'll pull on the strings. Um, he never lose to Brentford either. Just really strange. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, sorry. Back to Dykes. I, I wonder. I wonder if we we have, I haven't seen any more. Um, I haven't seen any more linked. Um, 
in the past few days, uh, any other centre halves. Like the, there was one from Liverpool, was it? But I don't know if he is oh. left footed, um, possibly. But um, I hope we do try and go for that because I think that's what's that's what's missing. Because um, I think when Dale Fry's played there, obviously I think he'll be on the right side of the fence if, if um, yeah, the right the, like the right what? side of the centre backs um, if he gets in or even central. But um, Grant Hall, like I say, we we don't know much about him to know whether he can he can play well at the left side of it. But I think that I think those are the two positions that we we need. I think we mm. obviously we could do with a lot more um, if we wanted to push on further. I think if we just fill that left side centre back um, and someone yeah. who can play Tav's position or up front, then yeah. I think that that'll be good. Yeah. Because I think one thing we forgot to mention earlier was a case of as well as obviously improving upon the current squad with the transfer market. I think. As you said, it's only been one game. Um, and with Neil Warnock, we know he can get the best out of players. Um, and he's enjoying it himself. He said in the aftermatch press conference, he said he's seen the players come a long way in, in eight weeks. Um, and I think it was quite kind of visible to us as well, even though I know we lost and you kind of look back and be like, oh, we still lost. But yeah. in fairness, we can look on that result and uh, the performance in general with our heads held high. We didn't get blown away by, by Watford. Um, and I think we're... A couple of pieces missing and when players start to you know the training kicks in on a constant basis they start to improve week on week they get a couple of good wins behind the belt and confidence grows um you could see you know players being 10 times better than what they are we've seen how Fletcher's going into a completely different player um Marvin Johnson as well so yeah who knows who else could emerge to be something that you know that we thought they were maybe a bit average but they, they could be a key player this season yeah you've got to be very careful to over be overcritical so early in the season and how the championship can change and yeah. you know that how one team can come from absolutely nowhere in, in the probably the, the November or even the even like the February March time and just start blowing teams away and somehow sneak into the playoffs. So it's just like a waiting game with with the championship. But finally before before I move on, I do want to start to delve in a little bit more because I know we've been mentioning about, about transfers, creativity and I'll probably come on to that in a second. But finally I, was, I just want to chat one more thing about Dyke Steele. It was exceptional in that centre back role. We've chatted about the long ball as well. Do you think that was probably his best performance in a Borussia? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I can't think of many games last season where I wouldn't say he was terrible in any games last season, but you know he was, uh, you know, he was fairly average in a lot of games last season. I think it was it was one of the best from him. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he deserves a lot more credit as well, Dana, to come back from an ACL injury as well, to come back and come back better as well from when he was playing under Woodgate as well? Do you think he probably deserves a lot more credit than? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he after the after he came back last season, he he played really well. I remember that Reading game; he was he was exceptional in that game as well. Um, I think he's just needed time. Like, still, we've all said on the podcast that there's definitely a player in there. I feel like he has been playing in the wrong position, and thankfully now we're seeing. I think what we expected to see when he signed. Yeah, I think definitely out of the the three that we signed um, the previous summer, he was always being the one that we've looked at to say, as you said, there's a player in there. And I think when you were saying earlier about um, him playing out wide, he was a bit more tentative in going forward. And I think the modern day, not even not even just a modern day full back in terms of if you have a back four and we don't have that, we're playing the back five, you've got to be bombing on a lot more. And that's why Jed Spence suits that position a lot more than him. Even when we were trying to play the 4-3-3 at the start of last season, he was a bit cautious like a almost an old school fullback would be where they'd you know they'd be there to help out a little bit and they wouldn't really sort of get beyond the winger and, and get across from sort of the byline. Um he'd kind of hold off a little bit and I think that's where he lacked in that role. So I think being central allows him to one sort of cover for Spence but be able to spray those long balls forward and not have to sort of venture too forward and, you know, perhaps get a nosebleed from being too far up the pitch. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm obviously previously sent uh, right backs or failed centre backs and get pushed out obviously out wide but then also they don't pass the halfway line and the game's evolving and changing yeah that's, so, what, that's what it used to be didn't it but yeah. now it's you know, a case if, you, if you, you're basically almost a, a winger if you're a uh, mm. full back these days because you, your attacking player's got to be just as good as your defensive player hasn't it so yeah, well, yeah. enough about defensive player let's chat about goals 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 and we don't <laughs> score many uh Look, I think we scored nine before the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, lowest on Sky Sports, Middlesbrough, lowest scoring team in the Championship last year. Didn't they only score forty nine in the previous year? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, thanks. Say thank, that for all the season. Th- thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah just just realizing what we've been watching for the last few years. Um, 
But Els, a uh, question from Ian Smith. He says, on a scale of one to ten, how close uh, to a thousand are you feeling? We need creativity. We had so many opportunities to make something happen, but the lack of imagination in the final third was our Achilles heel. Um, and also Gabriel Sutton uh, commented saying, Tab has the legs, but not the mind. How are someone's opposite and Savile seemed anonymous tonight? We need to freshen things up. A scale of one to ten, really, how much do we really need to invest in creativity in the next few weeks? Um... Yeah, I'd probably be close to a thousand on that. Um, yeah, uh, I think what'll definitely help though, and I think we missed that. And I know this isn't the answer in a sense, but Sam Marzi being missing, um, I think when he comes in, it then allows other people in the team to get forward. Because I think obviously Savile and House and the way it was, the way it was set up, um, was obviously they were the two centre mids and Towers in front of them. But I think if Sam Marzi's there, it'll be almost like how it was with. Clayton and Ledbetter, where Sam Morsey will be the one that drops off a little bit. Um, whereas at times last night when we were kind of around Watford's box, Savile and Housen were in the same position. I thought if Watford break here, we are screwed. Mm. Um, where Sam Morsey might drop back a little bit and sort of have that positional awareness. Because um, I think Housen, obviously we've said about him loads of times in the past where he was sort of a, a goal-scoring midfielder and a bit more of a box-to-box. And he got a couple of shots off from last night outside the box. Um so I think even if we don't manage to land someone, I think the addition of Sam Morsey will definitely help the rest of the midfield overall. Um, and I, I, but personally, yeah, I, I think we do need something else from even just to to change it up, like Warnock said. Um, at that point last night, it was a case of we well, were doing the right things, but we could have done with something else coming on and um, giving Watford something else to think about. Um, we could have done with Patrick Roberts. Yeah, I was watching him. I was thinking, this is screaming out hmm. Patrick Roberts. Patrick Roberts, eh? Say no more. Dana, obviously, next question uh, from Cameron Heath, and he says, and it kind of leads on what Elliot was saying there about needing something a little bit different. And Cameron says, uh, do you think we need a different type of centre midfielder, someone who could pick the ball up and spread it and control the game? Very Barry Bannon esque type player. Appreciate Mozzie's going to come in and he's going to sit like you mentioned there, Els, and House will probably. Pick up the, it'd be that be house will probably be more of that lead bit of role whilst Clayton will sit and uh, Clayton uh, Marzi will sit. Um, <laughs> but obviously, that, that it comes always comes back to that number 10 role. A fans are starting to really look, kind of yeah. pinpoint that position to be something that we really need. Um, is that some do you really think that we need that that type of player though? Someone who can get the pick the ball and spread it, or which I think we can have that with kind I of think, like a Savile or I think it needs uh, to be more Hamilton. of a. A, a dribbler rather than someone who can I think we've got a lot of good passes of the ball I think it needs to be someone like you said with Patrick Roberts who can take a pass someone um, yeah, it wasn't definitely. many people before Roberts came in last year where I'd seen you know if if you looked at like off the stats for you know take-ons or whatever Borough would probably be bottom of the championship before Roberts came I'd, I'd imagine um, and then you'd see him skip past two or three people and, and create something out of nothing and that's where that's I think that's the thing that we're really lacking the most being able to take somebody on um, mm. with quick feet and and being agile, mm. so yeah, I think Morsey will do that role that, that was just mentioned there. Um, I know Joe Williams did it as midfield partner at, at Wigan. He was the one that was breaking the play up and, and spraying the ball forward, releasing it quickly. But um, I think that for me is is settled. Um, you know, with with the signing of Morsey, I'm I'm with Elliot. I think we need somebody like like Patrick Robertson. And, and I was thinking about this actually. I think Tav's best performances came when he played alongside Patrick Robertson that, you know, the, the two sort of attacking midfielders. I don't know whether we can really rely on Tav on his own all season. I don't personally think that we can, um, which is why I would be moving heaven and earth to, to try and get Patrick Roberts back. I don't actually know whether he was that Premier League loan signing that Neil Warnock moved on from. I, I would assume actually he might be. Um, but if not Roberts, I think we what, need something What was like it that, that he... Um, you said something... I think was it last week about why we stopped sort of pursuing that. Yeah, he said that uh, they'd moved the goalpost that they wanted. I think three million. I'm not sure whether that was a loan fee or, you know, okay. a tran- upfront transfer fee. But I feel like he, it changed from a loan to a permanent deal, um, which would make sense with Roberts actually because I I can't imagine City will loan him out yeah, again. Yeah, he's going on what 22 now, and th- he's been loaned out four or five times. So wages are a problem. Yeah, that's mm. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's where we're going to fall short with a lot of players in the Premier League, even if it is someone who you think, you know, he needs to drop down to the Championship to get games. We can't compete at that level to give someone who he would have been on incredible. He'll be on incredible wages at City, even though he's nowhere near the first team. Was well, so. it a case of uh, being patient then? Just be, just be patient with these type of deals. Yeah, I suppose so. Things are going to come down. 
you know, players yeah, like, are to get desperate. Week, like, that domino effect, I think we obviously signed Bettinelli and then soon after we, well, the next day we signed Sam Morley, two signings in two days. Well, I think that Bettinelli thing obviously happened, you know, with his domino effect because of Fulham going in Fariola. Like mm. that probably maybe didn't spring up and, you know, true, we maybe yeah. got wind of that they're going in Fariola. So you're thinking, well, that automatically puts Bettinelli third choice. Um, we'll, we'll see if he's available and it happened very quickly. From when we were interested in him, it seemed to happen in what two or three days or something. So um, it took them about a decade to uh, announce it, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know what we're doing. <laughs> Making videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> next question. Um, well, it's kind of like leading up transfers as well, to be honest, because this is where we can't. It's where it's where the podcast kind of lean lean to a little bit. Um, but Dana Charlie sent us a tweet and said, in a game where Borough had to chase for a long period. We're surprised that Warnock didn't offer Marcus Brown and does he have a future at the Borough? Elliot mentioned in the podcast he was quite surprised that he didn't get a look in. Were you surprised that he didn't get a look in? But also, can you see him having a future? I can see him having a future, yeah. I mean, he's one of a few attacking alternatives, but it was a surprise to me as well. I know Coulson was on the bench as well. I don't feel like Neil Warnock fancies Coulson, but it was a strange one with with Marcus Brown, so I, I felt as though we needed something. And the commentators were saying it during the game that, you know, the game went flat uh, at one point in the second half, and you're just thinking, get somebody on who can maybe be a little bit more direct that can cause problems for the three centre halves. Briggs Lewis wing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't quite get that, but um, it was a surprise to not see Marcus Brown. I was expecting him to come on because I think he would have changed the game, would have added that, added that little bit of pace, um, a little bit more energy. Because um, the game was a bit subdued in the second yeah. half, but I mean, I think it says to the bench players that they're not particularly that fancied, or maybe I'm jumping the gun with that. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a system that suits Marcus Brown. Um, I just don't think he suits that. Do you not think he suits that? that where Tav is. Tav possibly, yeah, um, but not the actual wing back role where I think he's probably a bit more oh, no. proactive. Um, I think the wing substitution surprised me a little bit, but we kind of had to make it. Like, for a game where we were caught up in the transitional play, why put on a player that can't, <laughs> like, you know, can't hold the position? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, I was like, oh, well, at least we're going for it a little bit, but... Um, I, think they'll, I think they'll get a chance um, on Tuesday, to be honest. I think we're going to have to rotate the squad. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Colson and Brown will, will get the chance. It'll be a bit like last season when we played um, Crew. Please don't remind me of the game. Um Pe- right. uh, play- players players got a look in then didn't they? and it's because Tav wasn't we, at that point wasn't considered to be sort of first choice and I think Tav got a game Steve Walker got a game um, maybe one or two other I think George Friend who we didn't really because I don't think George Friend started in the actual um, league game before that as well um, so I think that they'll get a look in and like it'll be like that same situation it's like alright if you're impressed then you're maybe in contention for, for Saturday against Bournemouth so yeah yeah. Um, okay. Well, let, let's let's move on then. Let's chat about transfers. And this week, obviously, was a very productive week for Borough. Um, Els, I'm going to start things off with about about outgoings. And I know we chat we chat about Marcus Brown potentially. Well, could he have a future? Might he not have a future? Um, but would you be, would you be surprised if Borough did have some outgoings? Given obviously, given the bench that we had on on Friday night and the squad being so thin, I'm looking at towards maybe goalkeepers. Mahias has already left on loan. Pairs has been linked away at Blackburn for about 200k. Um, Stjanovic, he's on the cusp of like an Austria call-up, but he's not. Looks like he's he might not get games. Um, so, are you, do you think we'll probably see some outgoings before the window ends? Um, not loads, and I think it depends on the amount of in, incomings in in general. Um, I think they could be just loan deals if so for some of the young lads if then the positions are filled and they don't make their way into the bench um, then I could see some loan deals for them in terms of the goalkeepers obviously we've seen that Blackburn have put in a 200k bid was it for for Rainsley yeah. Pears um, people are kind of saying it's it's low um, which I can see the argument but he's got a year left of his contract which naturally puts that price um, down um, it seems you know that we're kind of keen on maybe letting him go I, I'd kind of go with a thing of that you know of giving him a new contract and loaning him out could still be the best option because then you're increasing your chance of getting higher money if he gets game time somewhere um, even if he doesn't play exponentially well and he, you know he goes to a, a Luton and they stay up his value has already increased much from 
200k to even a million a million and a half um and that's just even just not even from a plain side of if he has a future at the club it's more of a from a business point of view um i think 200k is you know letting someone go on the cheap because and, and once again it's tony mowbray coming in for um that player he, he seems to come after so many um players from Borough's academy and or just ex Borough players in general um not the system so yeah, it's a it's a funny one on that, but it, it seems keen that you know that we're going to let him go, which then um, begs the question: if we won't have three senior goalkeepers, um, you'd imagine Stojanovic would be second choice then, and maybe they're going to you know call one of the others one up the to be one. third choice. We, we've just let another, we've let somebody else go out on loan. Was it was it or did they leave? It was Joe Fry. Joe Fry. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Did did he was it a loan deal? That or permanently gone. permanent? Okay. Yeah, permanently gone. Um, so what was the names of something? Because there was quite a few that we had on the on the books, wasn't it? From yeah, yeah, from we've still, we've still got Solber in there. Um, we've that got who's yeah. the under twenty threes goalkeeper. Um, you've also got I think Pears going on loan is a, is a good move for all parties really, and if we can specially time down. But he just needs games, and it, you, he's got to think of his career first. And if he's going to get in that borough, if he's not, then. Go like be selfish and, and, and yeah. move on. You know. Yeah, what I mean, that's what I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of saying it obviously from the club's point of view rather than him. You know, if if if, if he feels like he definitely doesn't have a future at the club, then you know, he, he should move um, and should be pushing for it. But um, I think from a club's point of view, and um, you know, they, they could have done it the way almost like how a lot of big clubs in the Premier League do it. Where I think a lot of these players know they probably don't have a chance of breaking into the team, but they'll keep signing the new deals and going out on loan. And eventually, when they sell them, you know, Chelsea do it brilliantly in Man City and whatnot. Um, and we make a bit more money out of it. Um, as we've said before, with goalkeepers, their age is completely different to the rest of the outfield players because they hit their peak a lot later um, and they can play for obviously a lot longer. So I think it makes sense to do it. But if he goes, we've kind of said, you know. We wouldn't be too disheartened. We feel like we've got the right choice in getting Bettinelli in. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there'll be too. I don't think there'll be too many outgoings just because the squad is so thin. Um, and I can't see there being any huge offers from anyone just because of the, how the market is and um, the money circling around. I can't see there being a deal too good to be turned down for anyone in particular. So yeah, fair enough. Um, well, keep on goalkeepers and Dana. Um, obviously, Bettinelli came in. I uh, didn't really have much. To do on, on no, Friday night, um, but are you happy with the, the loan signing of Bettinelli? When it was announced, I was a bit, I was a bit indifferent. Really, I think what I've heard about Marcus Bettinelli is really the mistakes that he's made that have that has knocked him down the pecking order at Fulham. Obviously, goalkeepers do make mistakes; it's not a rarity in the game. But I think the a lot of them have, have been glaringly obvious mistakes. But since it was announced, I've heard more positive things about Marcus Bettinelli. And I think at the end of the day, Stianovic was... I don't think you can really trust Stianovic. And Marcus Bettinelli does have, I think, two promotions under his uh, on his CV from, from his time at Fulham. So, you know, he's an experienced keeper at this level. Um, I think, like you mentioned, he didn't have a lot to do. Um, and he certainly wasn't at fault for the goal that we conceded on Friday night. But um, it's a position that definitely needed strengthening. And I just hope that we don't see those mistakes that I just mentioned there um, at Borough. But I think I've definitely warmed to it um, since since it was announced. I just, like I said, I hope that, the, <laughs> that he doesn't make the same mistakes he did at Fulham. Yeah, it's, it's well, when you're a goalkeeper, it's a case of you can make 99 saves and no one remembers it, but you make That's one mistake true. and everyone... It is very true. Yeah. I just think that it was a culmination, really, of them, um, okay. that it... it I don't know. It stuck. It stuck on my mind. That's really all I know about Marcus Bertinelli. The mistakes he's made, but um, I think he is a, a good keeper at this level. The the contributions that he has made uh, to Fulham, particularly in that promotion season, um, I'm trying to like you know change my mind to focus more in on the positives than the negatives. And at the end of the day, I think Stjanovic was not a, a keeper you could trust at this level. So I think it was a good signing. I just sip your tea. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I'll keep I'll keep with you then, Dana. Um, of Benelli's came in, but there's also a deal that kind of fell through for the week. Um, yeah, yeah, being a Sonogo. Um, look, where where to, where to Bora look now for a centre forward? He was heavily linked. Rumours are failed medical. Rumours are came in overweight. Which if if he's came in overweight as well, Did he? It was, mm, is that what happened? Like a bit overweight, yeah. Like, you know, just. Obviously, all wait for a striker, a professional football, not like he's came in like a strike 20 club, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just falling through didn't really seem 
you know, it was like the right deal, I guess, in the end. Um, but is there any other centre forwards we should be looking at in the market? Well, I was having a, a little research. Uh, Bournemouth bid for Kidd and Jackson at Ipswich. Um, 18 call, uh, goal contribution. Call, call contribution. <laughs> He's now a minor. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, <it> goes down <laughs> three times. He, he, he'll love it up here with all these satanic mills <laughs> and uh, SNLs and everything. <laughs> 18 goal contributions last season. Uh, 11 goals, 7 assists. I believe Bournemouth made a, a £1 million bid for him. Um, a pacey yeah. striker could play out wide, so you know, is that versatility should Neil Warnock want to uh, change system, potentially. Rapid as well. Yeah, turned down a new contract, so he looks like he's he's heading out. I mean, Ipswich apparently won around two, uh, two uh, to £3 million for him, which I think is probably too much for, for third choice for Borough, but there's another striker that we were linked with earlier on in June, uh, Ross Stewart from Ross County, um, quite a, one of quite a few Rosses at, at Ross County. Um, he's strong, physical. That's why call Ross County. <laughs> exactly. Um, strong, physical, but you know a mobile uh, target man. Eleven goals in all competitions last season. Uh, he was named their Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, and Players Player of the Year. And Ross County won around a million for him. So I, it depends on who, uh, how much Borough really want to pay. I know that Yaya Sonoga was a free. You don't really want to be spending loads on a third third choice striker. But I mentioned him on the postseason podcast. I still want Borough to go in for him. Uh, Serdar Derson from, from Darmstadt. Like I mentioned, 19 goals last season. Uh, target man, but good in possession as well. Um, he's been heavily moved with... Um, uh, heavily linked with a move to Turkey and uh, I was having a look at a Turkish journalist called Ekrem uh, Connor was saying that Darmstadt want around 900,000 euros for him which is nothing really compared to you know the the deals from players uh, around you know Britain and whatnot so I think maybe we can look at, at fr- the French league the German league I think obviously we are putting scouts there which is why we were linked with um, Yaya Sonogo so it's a difficult position but I think there are options out there yeah Else, have you had got any options in mind? Um, the only other one I've seen was linked with the other week was uh, Kenneth Sahar at West Brom. Um, obviously, the links were maybe there from his time at work in um, a Cardiff, and we seem to be linked with everyone who's, who's <laughs> you know, Mendes Lang. Uh, we don't know that was the way Saul Bamber, obviously, as well. Um, but I think it'd be a good shout. He, you know, he went for an eight million pound fee um, from Cardiff to West Brom. Um, I don't see him getting much game time in the Prem, in all honesty. So there's a lot of players where you see whether well, they go up and you just think you know the, the the best thing is to just drop back down. I think a lot of them know that as well. I think they know their level. Um, and But I, I think the main thing with it is it's going to be a tough um, position to fill and it's almost reminiscent of um, Tottenham almost with Harry Kane. If they want to sign a striker, they know they're not going to come in as first choice to Harry Kane. Um so it seems like that's why they always seem to struggle. And I think it's the same now. It's like if you come in, you're not dislodging Britain Fletcher straight away from the team. I think you've got more chance of getting game time because of how quick the turnaround is with games in the championship. So you might get a look in on, on a Tuesday if we've played on Saturday and whatnot. But um, that's what I mean. If you're going to sign someone with quality, then are they going to come and be second fiddle to that? So It's also a mindset issue as well. Like If you're coming into a club and you sign maybe a two or three year deal... Uh, you've got to have the right mindset as well to dislodge, to dislodge those type of players. Um, obviously, Britt is captain this year, but it doesn't mean you, st- you still can't get ahead of him. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're running that extra yard, you're putting the extra graft in, you're scoring more goals and training, and you're really working on bettering yourself and obviously helping the team as well, then you have you know, all the opportunity in the world to, to try and get that position. Um, but else keep... Obviously, we've Millsborough in this window. We've got Bettinelli in now. Sign Grant Hall... Morsey's came in. That's that's a, that's a spine starting to happen now. Um, and I uh, got a question from Josh Vickers, and he said, "Where is the left of strengthening the eleven on the basis Neil uh, sticks with the five-three-two or three-four-two-one type of system?" Um, I think uh, as I said earlier, that left um, side of centre half, um, and then someone who can be in between of that position of of playing that centre attacking midfield role and striker. Because I think if you're just signing a striker. Who can't then play that position at top? Then you need a third position. I think we need Call someone. Great shout. Um, I take care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think someone who can who can play them both because again, there you you sort of a case of you're going to have to go and spend on another player, even if there's not a transfer fee involved, but just the wages. 
Um, I think someone who can be in between that would make better financial sense for the club. So I think only, only two. Weirdly, when you know the, um, we were kind of panicking a few weeks ago, maybe saying we need seven, eight. I think if we had two more, I think we'd be fine because I think then it gives the younger players around the squad at least a chance because I'm not a, a fan of... Yes, we needed the strength and definitely, and we can't rely on them. But at the same time, don't get too many players in where you have to shun them out of the team altogether. Mm. Um, so having that right balance, be, yeah, yeah. Then is, is any you thinking of? No, not not particularly. I mean, it's I probably agree that you know we need a striker that has that versatility to be able to drop into midfield um, and or play wide as well. I think we need. Um, left-sided centre-half, and I think that's it. I, I would agree with what Elliot just said there, that I was one of the people that thought we need maybe six or seven players. We need an entirely different team, I thought, at one point. But um, I think the good thing is is we have a lot of um, versatility. We've got Housen, um, McNair, who can literally play anywhere on the pitch, probably. Um, Dyke Steele can obviously now play centrally, as we've seen. I think Savile could potentially play in different uh, midfield positions. So I think we've we've got that versatility. I think it's just up front that we need to add a little bit more. Mm. One one player that, um, and I have to give credit to um, Ben Strickland for this, um, but as he noticed it yesterday. Um, but Joao Carvalho at Forest um, was, I thought, a very good shout when he when he tweeted it. He was completely left out of the squad for their game. He's he supposed he's not to be injured. one of their best players, or if not their best player. Yeah. He's, he's always been sort of in and out of the team there, hasn't he? And I think he's just, you know, he's not fancied by their manager there. So um, mm, that's interesting. it might interesting. be worth, a, uh, as Ben's put, a cheeky loan bid. A 12 million pound <laughs> player, I believe. Yeah, it I was, was yeah. thinking he, he should be getting in that Forest team, but obviously Levucci doesn't rate him for whatever reason. Yeah, it's interesting. I think maybe if we look for three or four more players, I know we have to look for that second, that, that third and fourth striker. Warnock historically has always had three to four main strikers each season and made them fight it out to the death uh, to, to play. But then also you've got the aspect of do we need another left back? Do we? The list, the list can go on and on and on really, but... I think three, four players, I think Warnock would be really, really happy with that. And I think Borough fans would be delighted with that. But also gives the opportunity for young players to come on the bench as well and try and make an impact. But the onus should be on the young players already already in the squad and already training day to day. Make yourself indispensable. Make yourself in the man- get yourself in the manager's mind and, and try and force your way into the team. You know, I appreciate sometimes when... I think, I think I'm going to go back to Bielstra at Leeds for an example would be like if you it's like kind of like a club a little bit where you make the 11 you you stay in that 11 and then like the bench players have to really force the way into the club do you know what I mean we need to try and make that type of system I think would probably probably work but but anyway Tuesday night L's uh, it gives Neil Warnock the chance to tinker with his very thin squad um, as we face as we face championship side Barnsley uh, who how did they get on yesterday Barnsley Ooh. They lost uh, one nil to Luton. Lost one nil to Luton. Lost one nil to Luton. Eh? <laughs> they lost one nil to themselves. Well, you're kicking yourself when you're getting beat. <laughs> uh, um, but else, I'll let you break down Barnsley. That's, uh, what we yeah. should be looking for on Tuesday night. Yeah. So they actually lined up um, in the same formation that, that we did. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you know if both teams do again and how that'll kind of fare out if we're if we're trying to play sort of the same system. Um, the sort of lineup was uh, they had Jack Walton in goal, um, English only twenty two, um, very sort of highly thought of there. The three centre backs: uh, Sol Bauer, Mads Anderson, and Jordan Williams. Um, Killian Ludwig right wing back and Marcel Ritzmeier left wing back. Um, Alex Moet and Callum Styles centre mid. Um, they had Elliot in the squad. Elliot Simoes um, in camp. <laughs> Clever hey. fame there, mate. Uh, Clever fame. There's not many Elliots kicking about. I wonder if he likes to drink in the Concast as well. <laughs> I bet he does. Um, and then uh, Dana shout of Carly Woodrow um, up front with. I thought you were uh, going to say there's a Dana in the squad. Um, <laughs> and there's a Dana Woodrow. There's Dana up front. Um, Carly Woodrow and Connor Chaplin um, up front. So a, a fairly young squad that they had out. They only had. Um, Marcel Ritzmeier is 27 and Michael Solbauer were the only two people sort of over 26 essentially. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting take on um, on Barnsley. Um, they've got a lot of players who are of sort of German and, and Austrian background, um, sort of following from both the, the previous manager and the current manager. Um, and the, when I was reading about them sort of from pre-season, they're trying to play a sort of a very high pressing style um 
So I don't kind of know how that'll work in that system if you know if we're trying to play the long ball and um and they're trying to do the exact opposite to us almost. Um it'll be quite interesting to see. They did lose Jacob Brown to Stoke for, for two million, which is probably a big blow to them, but I think out of the squad in general that I've just mentioned there, I think that the key ones to watch out for are Carly Woodrow, um, Alex Moore as well, who we kind of put down as a, a transfer target um, a few weeks back. Um, and Michael Saulbauer in defence, he's you know, the, probably the most experienced in the squad. Um, and he, he's almost like our, our Grant Hall, um, essentially yeah. be looking to coach the others at the back. So Connor Chaplin's a good player as well. Yeah, yeah. I found that Connor Chaplin was at Coventry for a while as well um, before he obviously making the move to, to Barnsley and what we've seen the back end of last year as well and you mentioned it already Els that they're trying to play that high press style be difficult to beat appreciate I think if we're going to play that try and play that long ball do we try and beat the press with the quick one too and maybe a long ball over the top do you know what I mean with the, with the wing backs pushing forward that could potentially be a, an avenue we go down but the winner on, on and whenever the fixture goes on to play Chelsea um, yeah. away at Stamford Bridge. Oh God. Um Frank Lampard's <laughs> No Chelsea. one wants to win. Um <laughs> Well, do you think do you think it, it's vile that Borogetta was looking Spanish on Tuesday? Um, I think just for a yeah, a confidence point of view, I think um you you want to win any game, don't you? I don't think you'd be too disheartened if you are gonna come up against Chelsea away. I, I don't think it's a um I don't really buy into this thing that you, you know, it, it puts you out of the league too much, especially early on. Um you can change your fortunes in the championship after a couple of games, so even if you do um, even if we do go away to Chelsea, I don't even think we'd play even a full strength side anyway. Like Elizabeth, the cup people don't hardly play full strength side until they get to like the semi final, which is, you know, people have an issue with that. To be fair, but um, there's so many cup competitions in England, um, you, you can't always have it out and, and yeah. prioritize it when, in actual fact, for the championship clubs, it, the key is getting out of the league rather than trying to win a cup. So yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think Lampard has to probably go for it because he spent money in the in the transfer window. The team looks. Unreal. I mean, even, even if they don't start, so, full, like, full, even if they don't start, their yeah, yeah, their first difficult. team squad is it's still um, incredible, isn't it? So yeah, it'd be difficult. Um, but also, um, Dana just put touch on getting a result really against Barnsley, the relegation rivals last year, getting one over them as well. Is that a massive confidence boost as well? Yeah, of course it is. Like we know, we need to build up a bit of momentum as well. And if that's our first win of the season, then you know we need to obviously um, add to that. We've got a difficult game against Bournemouth coming up as well. So I think to beat Barnsley would be a, a massive confidence booster just to get that first win on the board really of the, of the season. And I think it's a good fixture to be able to do that. Yeah, Al's got anything else? Um, yeah, so I was just looking at sort of how they've done last season. I think they went on a like a seventeen game um, sort of. You know they didn't win in seventeen games. I think just before November, um, I think that's maybe when they switched managers. They um, and they, they really turned it around. I think from um, sort of the the form from then was it was still very inconsistent, but a lot better than what it was. And I think in those eight games where we came back after the break, I think they were twelfth. Um, I think we were eleventh. Or was it you know either or? Um, so they were much improved. And I think I kind of had high predictions of them this season I mean it's kind of a bit of a setback yes they're losing at home to Luton um, but they, they started the season well obviously they beat Forest who Forest must kind of uh, hate them a little bit because the last two games the last season they beat Forest 1-0 and then beat Brentford 2-1 um, and then obviously first game of next season they beat Forest again um, but yeah I mean the head-to-heads were Borough um, over the last six we've only lost one um, which was the 1-0 defeat that you went to Johnny in, in February and um, shot on target. And uh, we, we've won the other four and drew one. Um, so it, it boards well in terms of that, but obviously that does stretch back quite a bit to maybe 2015, 2014, because we've sort of been out of divisions and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think both teams will will have the best teams out in general. They'll, they'll still be tinkering and, and want to go in on with the squads. Um, I'd say we have a home advantage, but as we've said a lot with this kind of how it is with no fans in the stadium, it's a little bit different. Um but yeah, I, I think we should be you know targeting a, a, a win against them, um, regardless of who we've got in the next round. I think we you know we just want to breed confidence with that sort of you yeah. know, putting some wins together. Quick score prediction: um, two one Borough. Two one Borough. Then got two 0 Borough. Two 0 Borough. I'm gonna go one 0 Borough, and then well, let's look ahead to Bournemouth as well, uh, Dana. Um, Bournemouth obviously Jason Tindall side one three two against Tony Mowbray's Blackburn Rover, Rovers yesterday. Should have been three three as well, just a slow goal um, for Tony Mowbray's sides. But 
Dana, Dana, Dana. Uh, let's let's break down Bournemouth as well. Yeah, they played a three-four-three formation. They've obviously lost three of the backs coming back in it. I love it. it. Yeah. There's so yeah, there's so many teams in <laughs> love even, it. Even in the Prem that are doing it as well. It seems to be the new sort of go-to, doesn't it? It does indeed. I mean, they, obviously they they lost um, a lot of players, uh, a few key players as well. Nathan Ake, probably arguably their best player. Uh, to City, they obviously lost uh, Aaron Ramsdale, Callum Wilson, and then Ryan Fraser before that as well. I was having a look at their squad. There's a real lack of depth there, but their starting eleven has got a, a lot of quality in there. Um, I think, as is usually the case with Bournemouth, they have a, a quite brittle defence. Um, not really a far cry away from how last season played out for them, but I think one thing that you can guarantee with Bournemouth is that they will score goals at this division. They, they always seem to have this wheel outscore you tactic, which frightens me a little bit, given you know our defence has been maybe a little bit suspect uh, recently. But yeah, a couple of players, well, one player to watch in particular is, is Arnout Danjuma, who scored against Blackburn. Uh, players on the left, uh, just behind um, Dominic Solanke, but will cut inside on that right foot. So I think Marvin Johnson has got a, a really tough, that's going to be a tough matchup and an interesting matchup there. Um, I was having a, a, a quick browse at their game against Blackburn. There's a few areas of, of advantage for Borough to potentially exploit. Uh, a few of their fans weren't particularly impressed with Lewis Cook or Jefferson Lerman's performance in that game, they were all saying that they never really had control of it. Both linked away as well. Exactly, yeah. So I think you've got that little nugget of, are they really in into this? You know, Is their head in the right place? They might be waving that, that white flag thinking <laughs> that they can... Already? <laughs> yeah. Well, West Ham last night, Jesus Christ. But, yeah, sorry. exactly. You know, they, they, they might feel as though they can play at a higher level. Um, so I think Borough could potentially win the midfield battle with, that high, with high press and, and a bit of aggression there, which is uh, where Morsey will come into good use. Um, Adam Smith was leaving Lloyd Kelly exposed at the back of, a few times. He was, he was out of position. Um, it presents an opportunity for Jed Spence to exploit that space uh, in behind if, if he can drive at, um, at that vacant area. Um, and defensively, like I mentioned, they look far from solid. I think if Borough put pressure on them from the off, uh, you could see panic mistakes uh, happen. I think Lloyd Kelly was a culprit of that. There was one point in which he tried to play the ball out from the back and it, and it went uh, almost went dreadfully wrong. I think he actually did lose possession. And then in between the sticks, uh, Mark Travers, he doesn't look particularly assured. Uh, assured. The, the first goal, Bradley Johnson's goal, it was a shot from outside the box and I think it bounced underneath him and passed him in, in, in and in. Um, so it was very poor keeping. I think uh, if Borough could potentially, I'm not saying that this is maybe a, a wing shoot from on site, you know, <laughs> like kick off, bang, just yeah, exactly, <laughs> straight in the crowd. But I think if we can maybe put pressure on him, then it, it could be a, an avenue. I think that is a position that is under pressure. I know they've got Begovic. Um, he wasn't in the squad at all. He wasn't even on the bench uh, for the game against Blackburn. But they've got like, obviously they've got that. Quite a lot of young, quite a lot of players that are worth a lot of money. Yeah, they've um, got a lot of ex- championship experience. So I think Adam Smith, Steve Cook, and I think Lewis Cook, I believe, were were there when they won promotion in 2015. So that you know they've got a, a they've got a very good squad. It's just I think that goalkeeper position is definitely one that they need to strengthen and probably will, which is why I think there's massive pressure on Mark Travers to perform, which is where we're can target. Okay, well, obviously Jason Tindall's just came in this year. He's t- taken over from Eddie Howe, and he was Eddie Howe's assistant for for many years. Um, he's got a massive job on his hands, really, Dana. Um, he needs results probably quick and fast. That three-two win against Blackburn's probably a, a good omen for him. They've got Crystal Palace on Tuesday night, um, but as as you've just mentioned there, especially with that squad, they've got quality there. They've got the championship, a good good championship uh, base. Got some players that probably don't want to be there as well, but they'll get money from. But how would you rate their championship hopes this year? Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll start pulling results out of the hat and be up there towards the end of the season? I think if they can, if they can keep hold of Dan Juma, then yes, I think David Brooks is is an important player. I, I don't. I think he might have been injured. I can't um, linked can't with Sheffield United. Yeah, I think he, yeah he's been linked with a, a few teams actually. Um, you know, if they can keep hold of Dan Juma and potentially Brooks as well, I think they will have every chance. But I just have a feeling with Bournemouth that out of all the three promoted teams, I think they could be the ones that struggle because they do have a lot of players there that I, I don't really see staying. I don't really see their heads really being in it. Um, yeah. They'll want to leave. I think the legs of maybe Junior Stanislas, a few of their fans were saying that he was maybe being a little bit too arrogant, maybe thinking that he was you know better than the, uh, than the division. So he could potentially move on. Um, you've got the likes of Lewis Cook, Jefferson Lerma. That's a big problem there in midfield because you're taking away two key players in the centre of the pitch. Um, so, you know, I think if they can keep their players on side and motivated, like we mentioned last week with Watford, they could do. But 
I think I have less confidence in them to go, to get promoted than uh, Norwich and uh, Watford. Yeah, the, the th- I think the thing with the manager is as well, um, and it was on Sky Sports yesterday, he was saying about, um, he was getting interviewed before the game and he was saying, oh, I don't think there's much difference between being an assistant manager and a manager and Tony Pulis didn't like that at all. Um, <laughs> oh, he came no. back and he was like, oh, there is, yeah, he's going to find out it's going to be a big learning curve for him and all this. Um, but I think, it, I think the... It's an argument that has been going around since Eddie Howe was sacked of the case of if you're sacking the manager and you want to go with something different, why go with the assistant manager? I know it kind of it's just the same sort of philosophy and he knows the players and all that, but that could also work against you because it's not something fresh still for the players. Um, and I think his lack of experience might tell um, in why they might not finish as high as they possibly could if they got someone else in. Um, in that press conference as well that he had, or sort of it was a sort of pitch side interview. Um, he seemed a bit like Monkbot to me. Um, he was kind of just giving. There was no personality about him, mm. um, which Eddie I know. Howell I know. Like his, I know. Well. His, I know. It's tough um, when you know. It was almost a bit like Woodgate at the start of, of last season as well. Um, you're just kind of trying to say the right things and not trying to trip yourself up at all. Um, but the the pressure could tell if the you know if they maybe like tenth to twelfth by November December yeah. time and the, the interviewers start popping questions where you you know you're getting a bit annoyed and stuff and. Um, it, yeah, go on. Then. I was just about to say, it's, it is their defence that's a problem. Uh, you know, they won't have any issues scoring goals, but if they do end up being a little bit blunt uh, in front of goal in in a game, then I think they will be they'll be exposed. Yeah, it could be a two year plan, two year three year plan. They're going to lose a lot of players this year. Um, if they keep the same crop and manage to go up, then fantastic. You know, you can build again for next year. Um, but if they don't go up this year, I don't think it's the end of the world for Bournemouth. I think they've. They, they they have to be in a big transition period. They've got a lot of players there who they spent a hell of a lot of money on. I think Dominic Solanke is still kicking around there. But what twenty? He turned into Tony Pulis then. Yeah, hell of a player. Twenty. Steve, Steve spent a lot of a hell of a lot, lot of money. money. <laughs> 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 Look, I'm right, carry a, on, Tony. I'm just a custodian of this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and you know this podcast reminds me a lot of South Wales. And if you ever run out of milk, you can always go next door and get leave a little bit back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. You just need to laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, final question then, do you think we can get something on Saturday against Bournemouth? I personally believe so, yeah. Um I think as we've said with Watford the other day, I think it's the right time to play um these teams that just came down, in all honesty. When they don't quite know what they're doing, players aren't quite fully in it, um and they haven't got the squad sort of fully assembled. Um so yeah. I think we can get something. I agree. I've gone for 2-2. Two, two. Two, I was, two. I was going to say the exact same as Carl. 2-2 mm, two, two so. I've got. I still have war flashbacks from the last game. Against, I think we'll but, concede. Uh, I think we'll concede. We, if we if we build on this solid base, Marzi comes in, he's looking solid. You know, we, we are trying to hopefully try and get a couple more in through the door as well. Um, so if we have that base, uh, it could be a quite difficult game for both teams. I'm thinking probably draw. I'm thinking, but... I'm not, I don't want to go two two. I, I can't see us going two goals. I think there's a maybe like a one one draw, maybe. Um, but it's, it's, it just depends how we start. I think it's really important that first thirty minutes till you be able to see what's going to happen. Yeah. But by, by the way, we forgot to uh, we forgot to start a little sort of spreadsheet almost on our prediction. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we know this uh, this Barnsley and Bournemouth uh, one down, and we'll we'll see uh, who's winning after at the end of this at the end of this week. All right. Okay. I'll, Spoiler. It's I'll, me. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, past Dana speaking to Puka Dana She's not, you're not going to be winning Dana hasn't spoken all week since we've got a new sponsor <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. right that wraps things up then guys uh, thank you very much for joining me Dana thank you very much for joining me Els uh, if you listen to the podcast on, on the apps uh, like share and subscribe and leave us a comment on there we really do appreciate all the comments and uh, help us get found by other Borough fans as well um, but that's pretty much it my name is Johnny, I'm with Dana and Elliot. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. That was all of your match day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.